For the 24th time, I am not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. I am, I am, I got some pressure to change the name. Again, I had some people reach out to me, people I trust. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with not Joe Flacco, the podcast for right now. I'm sticking with it. Anyways, this is a very game manager heavy podcast today. Talking Andy Dalton, Dak, Alex Smith. Real heavy on the game managers. I'm going to let you guys just jump right in. Got a sponsor, and we're jumping right into Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott in Dallas. And then I go long on Alex Smith and the documentary and his career and his kind of crazy full circle, you know, drafted the, the same year that Aaron Rodgers was drafted. And then to come back around later, and I've got some, I got some numbers that those guys might be more similar than, at least you know, in the back half of uh, Alex Smith's career, they're more similar than maybe we give Alex Smith credit for. Anyways, thanks for listening. Subscribe, review, rate. We're so close to catching Angry Browns fans in number of reviews and ratings. So go to Apple, rate the pod. Appreciate you. Let's get into the podcast. Well, depending on your opinion of Dak and Andy Dalton, Dak may have either either the Cowboys have an insurance policy in case they can't get Dak signed, or Dak's got some competition. Now, personally, I don't think Dak's got, I don't think Andy Dalton's competition at all for Dak. I like, you know, if you, even if you go back to when Andy Dalton was having a, a very nice career to start his career, and you've compared these guys over their four, first four years, the, D- Dak beats him in just about every category. Uh, you know, it's certainly more efficient, a lot less uh, interceptions, only two less touchdowns, but 10 more rushing touchdowns. Andy, Andy Dalton had 11 rushing touchdowns in his first four years. I was kind of blown away by that. The, but I'm hearing like these grumblings from, from, from people acting like Andy Dalton is some kind of threat to Dak being a long-term fit with the Cowboys, which is horseshit. The only thing that's going to keep Dak from being a long-term fit with the Cowboys is Dak Prescott. This is Dak's team, Andy Dalton, barring, uh, you know, unless Dak gets injured, Andy Dalton isn't starting a single goddamn game for the Cowboys this year. The Cowboys ran one of the best offenses last year. Dak is healthy, he's younger, and they've built this team around him. Now the only and again the only way this won't work out with the Cowboys is if he's not a fit for McCarthy. But I don't think they're going to pull I get I don't see that happening. Dak is he's too careful with the ball. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. He's good with his feet. Dak's going to be fine. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's going to be fine. Andy Dalton is a wonderful resource to have. 
is an absolutely is is going to be it, Cowboys fans. You should be thrilled to have Andy Dalton because if something goes wrong with Dak, Andy Dalton can win you some regular season games, and maybe with the right coaching and enough talent around him, he can actually win a playoff game for the first time in his career. There's nothing wrong with Andy Dalton. There's nothing wrong with Dak. Dak is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. And for those of you that are thinking that Andy Dalton is there to put some kind of pressure on Dak, the Cowboys really fucked up if they thought that they were going to get, if they were going to put pressure on Dak, if they were wanted to squeeze Dak, if they wanted to make sure that you know he was focused this season, as if he, as if he's, as if he isn't playing for a $40 million a year contract right now. As if that's not, you know, enough motivation for him. If you wanted to put pressure on him, there's a former MVP out there who says he's healthy. You want to put pressure on Dak? They should have signed Cam Newton. Because Andy Dalton is not pressure. Andy Dalton's nice to have, and he's going to start some more games over his career, but he's always going to be in that kind of Alex Smith, who we'll get to later, He's going to be in that Alex Smith role where he's constantly going to be grooming a guy that they just drafted and Dalton will give him a couple of years and on to the next one. And he'll bounce around and as long as he stays in shape and, you know, keeps keeps his head in the playbook, he's going to have a nice long career as a low, you know, you know, top 25 quarterback in the league type of starter. He's going to win some games for you. He's hopefully will be a good mentor for the young guy that you're bringing in to, to, to eventually take the job. But this is what mediocre QBs that are over 30 end up doing. They end up mentoring the guy that uh, the team wants to be the franchise quarterback. So again, if the Cowboys wanted to put pressure on Dak, if that had anything to do with this, they picked the wrong fucking guy. They should have they if they really wanted to stir up a QB controversy, if they really wanted to see what it was like with Dak had some competition in camp, you go get the former MVP. That that would have set the world on fire. Andy Dalton getting signed? No, it's a he's a very nice backup. Could he start for a few teams? Sure. I like him more than Tyrod Taylor. He's probably better than some of the, the young guys that are out there, but he's 31. He's not going to get those spots. He's a he's a, a, a but a lot of teams would be lucky to have him. The Steelers would be lucky to have him. Anybody that was trying to get in on who's the other one that signed? Any, anyways, doesn't matter. Steelers would have been lucky to have him. Um any of those teams with those veteran quarterbacks. Would have been lucky to have Andy. Uh, oh, the, the Saints. He would have fit in fine with the Saints. They got, I think they got a better one with Jameis. Younger, more upside. You know, more, more, just more talented in general. So, you know, we'll see about the picks. But like again, these are some these are very good backup quarterbacks that are coming off the board right now. I think it's 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 got a lot to do with just how young. I was blown away when I was looking at the Aaron Rodgers stuff from last Thursday's pod where I was trying to figure out where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. I couldn't believe how many teams have young quarterbacks that aren't a complete waste of time. You know, there isn't, there isn't anybody that 
you know, that I came across where it's like the, the where everything is it's set in stone, right? This guy's a this guy's a bust. There's still potential in all those guys. And so um anyway, that's yeah, if you were if you were looking for for me to come in here and say that Andy Dalton was was going to put all this pressure on Dak and and everything else, no. Like Dak is still it's either him or Wentz. God, I still can't. I even did the fucking pod. The thing I'd still rather have Wentz. I would rather have Wentz. But Dak's had the better career, and I would still rather have Wentz. Um, but it's close, and it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I thought it was hands down Wentz. So the cow, but the Cowboys legitimately at this point have the second and third best quarterbacks in in the division. Easily, I would take Dalton to start. I would take Dalton over Danny Jones and Dwayne Haskins this year, for sure. Not in the future. I like. I like. I really like Haskins. I think. I, I think if you if you're uh, if you're looking for somebody that's that's very underrated, I think Haskins is uh, is that guy. So the Cowboys made a good move. If something happens to Dak, they're going to be just fine. It won't be as good, but they'll be fine. And, uh, you know, if, if, if that works, if it works out like that, Andy Dalton's going to make himself some money and he's going to end up with a QB mentoring job, you know, next year. You know, some team that he'll end up uh, kind of a, a, a more ginger version of Ryan Fitzpatrick, just kind of without the crazy beard and, and uh, you know, bullshit antics. So anyways, that's uh, that's my quick hit thoughts or. Shit, eight minutes of thoughts on Andy Dalton to the Cowboys. All right, so if you haven't watched the Project 11 documentary about Alex Smith and the 17 surgeries that he's been through since uh, breaking both bones in his right leg uh, back on uh, back in November of 2018, do yourself a favor, go watch it. It's phenomenal. Um, and I, I took some notes while I was watching it because I wanted to come back to it for this and kind of give you, if you haven't seen it or if you want to watch it again, at least give you my thoughts on it so that maybe they're in the back of your mind. When, if you watch it, um, the first note I put in here was that I had already winced twice within five minutes. The documentary does not let you escape the actual, the actuality of the injury. They do not, they, they show you the injury. They show you his leg flopping around. They show you what his leg looks like right after surgery, two days after surgery, three days after surgery. It is, um, they do not spare you at all. Like you will look at his leg. And I don't think they could have done it any other way. Um, The first thing that popped out to me though, was Alex Smith had some like, Serious sideburns. And 
I don't know if it's just because it's 15 years later that they stand out to me, but I really hope if I go back and look at pictures from myself in 2005 that, I mean, listen, in 2005, I looked ridiculous. Um, just, I, I it wasn't a good, I wasn't the strikingly handsome gentleman you guys see on, on, on the grant. Um, but Alex Smith looked, looked goofy. And, uh, the other thing that stood out to me was he was drafted at 20 years old. He didn't, he turned 21 like in, in May, but just to give you uh, an idea, Joe Burrow just got drafted. He's 23. And the, the difference and, and some of you aren't even 20. And some of you certainly aren't even 23. But the difference between a 20-year-old and a 23-year-old is tremendous. And and keep that in mind when we start getting into just how bad Alex Smith was through his first five full seasons in the NFL. Um, his When they drafted him, it was between him and Aaron Rodgers. And they've got a bit with Mel Kuyper saying, I had Smith just slightly ahead of Rodgers and blah. But he was, he was urban. He was, he was, we don't even have Tim Tebow. Probably we don't have maybe even Aaron Hernandez. If not for Alex Smith, Alex Smith kind of put urban Meyer on the map. Alex Smith was urban Meyer's quarterback at Utah when they went, you know, I think Alex Smith said in the documentary that he only lost one game in his college career. And from that job, Urban Meyer ended up getting the job at Florida. And the so but the he was he was good enough to take. I mean, you they finished like third, maybe fourth in the final college polls his senior year. I think he, he was up there for the Heisman. Didn't get it, but he was up there. Standing next to a high school teammate, Reggie Bush. And the but he was drafted to one of the worst teams in the history of the NFL. The Niners were so bad that they, prior to the 2005 season, they had 20,000 to one odds of winning the Super Bowl. So if you just put a dollar down, you'd win $20,000. It was that unlikely. And... I mean, his his coaches. So the he had a def- and this and and I think this Alex Smith's career and this period of time with the Niners is why you know somebody asked me McCarthy or uh, Mike McCarthy or, or Ron Rivera, and I chose McCarthy and 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 I think it's because I'd always give the edge to if I was starting a team or if I owned a team, I'd always give the edge to the offensive coach because the most important position on the field is the quarterback. And you're going to need to develop a quarterback. And a defensive-minded coach probably isn't going to be great at that. Now, there's been some very, very good. I mean, the greatest coach of all time is, a, you know, it's made his, came into the league as a defensive, as a defensive guy. And still, you know, Belichick still uh, tends to, to do more on the defensive side. But you can't always have the greatest coach of all time. And so with the defensive coaches, you either get, a tremendous 
talent, like a Mike Tomlin, Belichick, some of these guys, or you end up getting like the Mike Nolans of the world who have no idea how to communicate with the offensive side of the ball and, and don't have a philosophy in that regard. And so when you look at Alex Smith's first couple years, I mean, he he started out with Mike, Mike Nolan, and Mike Nolan had a great hire. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator there in um, for the for the first for Alex Smith's first year. But here's where the problem set in: after 2005, Mike McCarthy got hired, despite running basically the league's worst team. I mean, they were 30 sec- 30th in points and 32nd in yards, and he got the job with the Packers and ended up taking him to a Super Bowl. So he goes Mike McCarthy as his offensive coordinator, then Norv Turner, and Norv Turner, again, great, phenomenal offensive coordinator, but uh, completely different systems. One's West Coast, one is you know what they call like the, the numbers. And so completely different systems, completely different terminology. And again, this is what you get when you hire a defensive a defensive guy as your head coach. There's no like through line for the offensive side of the ball. And then in 2007, you get Jim Hostler, who nobody, you've never heard of and you will never hear from again. 2008, his offensive coordinator, at this point, Nolan gets fired in here. Mike Martz is now the offensive coordinator. So now he's on his fourth offensive coordinator in four years. And and Martz isn't in the league anymore. He's gone. 2009 comes around. We get Jimmy Ray also not coaching. He's certainly not in charge of an offense anymore. 2010, we still have, we got another year with Jimmy Ray. And then finally, Singletary, the Singletary-Nolan era is over, and Jim Harbaugh comes in. So let me give you an idea. So if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know I'd like to go back and kind of pull comps, right? So I'll I'll look at – I'll take some stats, and I'll plug it into into profootballreference.com, and I'll find out who the other players through – uh, the, who the other players are that kind of have those stats. And so with Alex Smith, I'm looking at through his first six years, 57% completion percentage, 3% touchdown percentage, 3% interception percentage. The other names on those on that list, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman, Joey Harrington, Derek Anderson, Kyle Bowler, Vince Young. Except for Derek Anderson, all first-round busts. I just don't think Derek Anderson was taken in the first round. But all busts completely flamed out. None of them still in the league. None of them had long careers. Sanchez kind of bounced around, but like was always a backup. N- nothing, Nobody ever thrived. So for Alex Smith to go from that group to a playoff winning quarterback. You know, wasn't I don't think he was ever dynamic enough to kind of take the teams past you know those divisional. I mean, he got the he got to the NFC Championship game with the Niners. 
in 2011. But if you watch, and I rewatched that game on Twitch, and it was painful. But if you if you watch that game, you see kind of some of the limitations, and you see what happened. And then this is what the Chiefs ran into with him is that you know this is part of the reason they went and got Mahomes is like they just weren't getting over the hump. Very nice quarterback, great guy, but probably probably not going to win anybody a Super Bowl. And so through those first five years of his career, and really six because he missed a season because of an injury, was in was a, a complete shell of what the Niners expected. And then they hired Harbaugh, but they hired Harbaugh at the same time there was this lockout. And so the coaches couldn't actually meet with the players. So Harbaugh and, and him met up for like a day. There was like one day that you could kind of like slip in. And Harbaugh kind of threw him the playbook, and they and basically what the players started calling it was Camp Alex. Alex was Alex Smith was basically the guy that that installed the offense in the uh, over the summer and spring. And he had now the the 2012 season was the best year of his career statistically, but this was the most success Alex Smith had ever had, and this. The Alex Smith success had kind of now like made Jim Harbaugh look like a fucking god, and that kind of culminates in that 2011 season. Culminates in the the Saints Niners divisional round game where you know if you and with all the. Uh, stuff about Staley. Staley was out there. You know, Alex Smith had the big league, but it was about a 30 yard touchdown run on a QB sweep uh, through the, you know, the, the Vernon post as it's uh, um, the catch three, whatever you want to call it um, to win the game to Vernon Davis. That was, that's the pinnacle game of Alex Smith's career. He might not think that, but I, I think any, the 49ers fans certainly think like that was, that was the game that was like, okay, and and it gave there was a ton of hope there, but mostly it was just like we had we had watched this guy fail and fail and fail and fail and fail, and to see him play that well was like oh shit, this is how bad the other guys, this is how bad the non Harbaugh guys were, and this is the shit that he's had to had to deal with. So then the next so they 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 lose to the Giants. That's the Kyle Williams game. If you want to go watch me watch it, it's on Twitch. But the uh, the next year comes back and is having the best season, 70% completion percentage, eight yards per attempt. Still wasn't throwing a ton of yards per game, but that's more. That was more just Harbaugh was a you know it was a conservative offense, but incredible most efficient year of his career, even when you factor in the the Andy Reid years. And then he gets a concussion. And Kaepernick comes in. And Kaepernick just added just uh, a dynamicness, dynamism, whatever you want to call it, to the to the offense. I don't think that, you know, the it's a, it's probably time for another it'd be set up for another pod, but should the Niners have given the offense back to Alex Smith? The short answer is no. And I think it it you'd point to the playoffs. You know where where Kaepernick really excelled, and Alex Smith just kind of never did. Um, 
And so then after that season, the Niners determined, okay, we're sticking with Kaepernick. And they trade him to, to Kansas City, which is a huge favor to Kansas to, to Alex Smith because Andy Reid, as we can all see, knows his quarterbacks. And ends up taking the Chiefs to playoffs in four out of those five years. And the thing that came out about the th- the, the thing that that came, that struck me about during the documentary, just from other stuff that I've read and heard, and just kind of being around all the news around Alex Smith in the beginning of his career, was just how great a teammate he was. And you know, Mahomes credits him with a lot of Mahomes' success. Kaepernick, he was a was a fantastic mentor for Kaepernick, even as Kaepernick was taking his job. And then the Chiefs trade for Mahomes. And one more season, of course, another wild card loss or divisional loss, early playoff loss. And they trade uh, they trade Smith off to, to the Redskins. But before his injury, so he only played like six or eight games with the with the with the Redskins before the injury. But you'll hear something you probably haven't heard since. Is that Alex Smith in his first year with the Redskins had them in first place. That was to me probably just hearing the first place Washington Redskins was probably the most shocking thing about the documentary that didn't involve flesh eating bacteria. So they're showing the game and because I it got a little it got a little dusty twice during this thing. And uh first time was when his wife, uh, who's f- fucking smoking, by the way, um, uh, when his wife was saying that his kids were in the stands for the injury, and it's like, oh shit! And that's like, she starts and she starts crying, and I'm like, oh damn it! Here it comes. The dad stuff. These like ever since I had kids, the dad stuff just gets me. Um, but like literally one minute and Joe, Joe Theismann says this in the very beginning of the, of the doc, he goes one minute you're playing the next year, you're a patient. And so because the bone that he snapped both bones in his, in his, uh, in his leg, in his right leg. And it came through the skin compound fracture. And so he immediately had to go to the, the operating room for them to, stitch everything up, make sure everything else was so pins and rods and every other fucking thing goes in. It was like stitch them all up. And that's when shit starts to get real. So as he says, he's got a fever for a little bit. And then all of a sudden his leg starts turning black. And the doctor says he's got, they've got four different types of bacteria in his leg. One of them is flesh eating bacteria. Literally, his leg is like being chewed up by this bacteria. And they show you every fucking picture they can. Now, this was a guy who... I told you about the guys that that he aligned with, right, statistically, up to when Harbaugh got there. Mark Sanchez, Joey Harrington, Kyle Bowler, Vince Young, just all first-round busts. Right across the table. 
And so then I ran because I was curious. I'm like, okay, so if you just strip out those first five years, what does who does he line up with from year six on? And so I looked at so his after year after Harbaugh gets there, he's got a 64.7 percent completion percentage. He's got a four percent touchdown percentage, and he's got a 1.5 percent interception percentage. And the only other guy, and the I had to like I reran it a second time to make sure I didn't have something screwed up. But the only other guy from the last 20 years that's on that list is Aaron Rodgers. Now Rodgers throws for a shit ton more yards. He plays he plays about 30 something more games. He's this isn't me comparing Alex Smith to Aaron Rodgers. There is no comparison. Rodgers is a top seven quarterback for me of all time. Alex Smith is not. But just to give you an idea of how well he played post Harbaugh and then into the Andy Reid years and then the, those first few games in Washington, he basically turned into kind of a a similarly efficient, if not as good, Aaron Rodgers. Completion percentage, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, all right there. And yards per attempt was close. All right there in line with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, when I was talking about Josh Allen in the one of the first podcasts, you know, it's like, and it was kind of, it was like a similar looking list to, to uh, Alex Smith's list. I mean, Josh Allen's had a much better start to his career than Alex Smith has, obviously. But, you know, not a pretty list of guys that Josh Allen was on. Christian Ponder might have been the best guy on that list. But it's possible for guys to pull themselves out of that with the right coaching and the the right and the the proper amount of mental toughness. It's doable to pull yourself out of like those those kinds of holes. And Alex Smith did it. And so for a guy who started out and was was a first round bust, gets saved by Harbaugh. Then loses his job the next year, even though he, you know, he kind of he lost it to an injury. Loses his job, watches his team go to the Super Bowl and lose the Super Bowl. Gets traded the next year. Just gets traded that offseason. And then takes his team to the playoffs four out of five years. Gets traded again. Has his team in first place. And then Damn near loses his life because J.J. Uh, Watt rolled up on the back of his leg. It is like no, and I can't think of a, a player who has been put through, like there's been, you know, you've got like Josh Gordon and some of these guys that have like, you know, Antonio Brown now that have all this turmoil around them that is not, you know, that is, they bring on themselves. I'm not sure that anybody's had as tumultuous a career as Alex Smith. And then to come out of it and then to almost lose your life because of the game. um, Yeah, I can't, I just can't imagine. I can't believe just how positive he is. 
But I think you probably, if you're not a positive person, you probably don't even bounce back from the first five years if you don't have that belief in yourself. Um, so anyway, just, you know, uh, uh, just a very inspiring, um, just a very inspiring guy. And, uh, anyway, if you haven't seen the doc, check it out. It is, um, it's project 11. It's on ESPN plus and maybe the ESPN app. But, uh, if you've got ESPN insider, then it's you can, you can watch on ESPN plus free. ESPN Plus is like a couple bucks a month. You might already have it if you've got Hulu or Disney or any of those other things. But definitely check it out. It is um, it is phenomenally well done and gives you some insight into, you know, I mean, Alex Smith was conceivably about to be one of the, probably the, maybe he, he could have been, he could have lost his life um, from playing football. And he's out there, he, He's, it's not out of the question. He says that he comes back and plays, but look at his leg and it is, man, if he comes back and plays, somebody commented on, on one of my posts. If he comes back and plays even like a snap, poor choice of words. If he comes back and even plays one down, then, you know, the guy deserves comeback player of the year. So anyways, check it out. Thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. I hope you liked what I had to say. If you didn't like it, I hope you come back next week and hear more of the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. Help me get that podcast clout. Thanks, guys.